Good morning all. Our reading this morning is taken from Genesis chapter 24, reading the first 14 verses. Abraham was now very old and the Lord had blessed him in every way. He said to the senior servant in his household, the one in charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh. I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I am living, but will go to my country and my own relatives to get a wife for my son Isaac. The servant asked him, What if the woman is unwilling to come back with me to this land? Shall I then take your son back to the country you came from? Make sure that you do not take my son back there, Abraham said. The Lord, the God of heaven, who brought me out of my father's household and my native land, and who spoke to me and promised me on oath, saying, To your offspring I will give this land. He will send his angel before you so that you can get a wife for my son from there. If the woman is unwilling to come back with you, then you will be released from this oath of mine. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of his master Abraham and swore an oath to him concerning this matter. Then the servant left, taking with him ten of his master's camels loaded with all kinds of good things from his master. He set out for Aram Naraim and made his way to the town of Nahor. He had the camels kneel down near the well beside the town. It was evening, it was towards evening, the time the women go out to draw water. Then he prayed, Lord, God of my master Abraham, make me successful today and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I am standing beside this spring and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a young woman, please let down your jar that I may have a drink, and she says, drink and I'll water your camels too let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac by this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master thank you Reg one thing I failed to mention is uh, Melody and Norm are heading away for two months. Uh, Norm is one of our elders, so that's important, but Melody also does all the communications in the church. So, we're going to see how well the pastor goes communicating um, for the next couple of months. But So when, when the communications all break down, it's not Melody's fault, uh, it's mine. So... Let's just put that out there now. But I'm pretty confident we'll keep them going uh, pretty well. So I hope you have a lovely trip, uh, by the way. 
Well, let me pray and we're going to have a closer look at this passage. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you. We come to it with great confidence each week, each day, each moment, simply because it is your a word and you have revealed it to us uh, through your servants and it is a revelation of you lord so help us now approach uh, your word looking for you and hearing your voice and father god we pray that the holy spirit will convict us of sin will encourage us where we need encouraging and will really guide us as we look uh, through this important passage uh, concerning uh, rebecca and uh, and Isaac and so father bless us now and watch over us and we pray this in Jesus name amen well I'd be very surprised if none of you and there may be one or two of you who weren't born in Australia but uh, I'd be very surprised if you haven't heard of Sir Donald George Bradman yeah huh. is there anyone who hasn't heard of Sir Donald George Bradman well he was the greatest cricketer of all time uh, he didn't like fame uh, but he was probably the first celebrity we, we had. Uh, he was big in England and all over the world just because he was a wonderful cricketer. As a boy, I loved cricket and I still have the Bradman albums that document everything to do with his career uh, and I've read most of them. Um, for former Australian Prime Minister John Howard uh, called Donald Bradman in 1997 while he was still alive, uh, the greatest living Australian. Uh, he passed in 2001 and in his final test at the Oval, Bradman uh, famously walked out. Uh, I know you all love cricket, so uh, <laughs> um, I love cricket. So this is how you do, you walk out and you bat, okay, and there's a bowler that comes down. Anyway, in his last innings, uh, he faced up uh, to Eric Hollies. It was his second ball and, uh, and Hollies... Uh, Boulder Googly, we all know what that is. Uh, you can look it up on Google. <laughs> um, a Googly is a type of ball, ball that a spinner uh, bowls. Anyway, Bradman pushes forward and he gets bowled. Uh, second ball in his last innings. And because Australia walloped England in that game, there wasn't an opportunity to go out for a second uh, bat. Uh, and so he couldn't get the four runs he needed that would have uh, kept his average at 100 runs per innings for every test match, uh, which was remarkable. So he ended up on 99.94, and it's, uh, it's written in history, and that number uh, is in all sports considered just one of the most phenomenal feats ever. See, nobody has ever come close to that. Uh, the next best is 62. Um, both in his era and uh, current eras. And when Bradman retired and passed the reins to others, it was said that it was an end of an era. See, R.C. Robertson Glasgow wrote of the English reaction, a miracle has been removed from among us. So must ancient Italy have felt when she heard of the death of Hannibal. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> I like that quote. See, the Bradman era was remarkable, and when he retired, it came to an end. Well, this morning, the Abraham era is coming to an end. The man whom God chose to give promises of land, people, and blessing 
will soon be removed from among the, amongst the earth. And Abraham is now making preparations to pass the reins over to his son of promise, to Isaac. In chapter 23, we are told of the death of Sarah, Abraham's wife at 127 years old. Abraham honoured his wife. Uh, we're not going to go into that in detail. But through that, uh, through that process, he went to find a suitable burial ground amongst the Hittite nations. And the Hittites so thought of uh, Abraham in high terms that they were willing to give him anything. In fact, they refer to him as a mighty prince among us. That's the level of integrity Abraham has. Uh, but that integrity also insisted on paying for the land and he paid the full price. Uh, probably referring back also so that no one could say they helped Abraham, but only God uh, was able to ha uh, help him. Well, chapter four, 24 then follows the burial of honour uh, for his wife uh, with this in verse 1. Abraham was now very old and the Lord had blessed him in every way. Now, if you have your Bibles, I want you to notice the past tense. See, the era of Abraham is now being referred to in the past tense. The Lord had blessed him in every way. It's coming to an end. And we know from chapter 25, verse 20, that Isaac is nearly 40 years old. And here we have a succession plan unfolding. Now, just as the plan last year, uh, before Queen Elizabeth died, they were already planning the succession and how uh, King Charles would take the throne, uh, the transition from Abraham to Isaac is now taking place. And it is a significant transition. It comes with the responsibility of handing over the future of the promises that God had given down to Abraham uh, through to his son of promise, Isaac. See, the promise of descendants, as numerous as the stars in the universe, was now going to come through Isaac. The promise of receiving the land of the Canaanites as the inheritance of God for his people was now through Isaac. Uh, the promise of being a blessing to all nations on the earth was now through Isaac and his descendants. And Abraham knew there were two critical things for the fulfilment of these promises through Isaac. Firstly, Isaac needed a faithful wife of great, great character. But in finding that wife, Isaac had to remain in the land of promise and not go back to where Abraham uh, had come from, which is where his future wife needed to be found. And so Abraham calls his most trusted senior servant in verse 2. Have a look at verses 2 to 4. He said to the senior servant in his household, the one in charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh. I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I am living, but will go to my country and my own relatives and get a wife for my son Isaac. Now, Abraham was a very wealthy man and this senior servant uh, carried great responsibility within his household. He was in charge of everything. Uh, all the servants would have reported to him. 
now, in England, King Charles has the Lord Steward to do that kind of thing for his household. It would have been no different. Abraham had this man, uh, and he had to be someone that was trusted, uh, and he has, he has him swear an oath and make a vow. That is what putting the hand under the thigh does. It is the way to make a vow in this cult- culture. And he doesn't just do that, though. He says, I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth. See, this is so important that Abraham wants to make sure that these promises are as secure as possible. But he also knows that it is by God's hand that all these things will come. Well, the servant asks if the woman is unwilling to come back. He's anticipating uh, what some of the arguments might be. Should he take Isaac to her, Abraham is adamant, and then he refers back to the promises again. Uh, in, verse, in verse 7 there, he says, uh, No, God promised me on oath, saying, To your offspring I will give this land. So he's saying, Isaac must remain in the land. Well, in verse 10, the servant sets out. And he's loaded with an enormous bounty of 10 camels full of stuff to give to the family of, uh, of the woman that, uh, that, that he's led to. Um, this is a long journey, hundreds of kilometres, and it would have taken several weeks, even if uh, the text doesn't show that. Well, when the servant finally arrives in verse 11... He had the camels kneel down near the well outside the town. It was toward evening, the time women go out to draw water. Perhaps if it was in today, he would have went to the internet cafe and looked online. All the women in the Christian uh, websites. Uh, But no, uh, he had to find where the women were. And well, it was near evening that they would come and draw the water from the well. So he, he just strategically took all his camels... And he sat down. Now, I can imagine the women coming out going, ooh, that's a wealthy man. I wonder if he's a future husband. Not that that's what women care about, um, but I'm sure it helps. It's usually good looks, I'm sure. But it was a, it was a strategic... I should stick to my notes. It was a strategic, it was a strategic moment. Um, and a, a strategy, he's gone, I'm going to go to the well and see. Uh, who comes out? Um, <coughs> well, <laughs> then in verse, I'm trying not to say a lot of things. Then in verse 12, we're given an insight into why Abraham trusted this senior servant. And in some respects, I want you to start really paying attention to what's happening here. Now, this guy... He is unnamed through this whole episode, but he is so central to everything that's happening. The amount of trust that's been put upon him by Abraham uh, with God's promises is quite remarkable. Yet he's never named. All we know is this senior servant in Abraham's household. And we're told this in verse 12 about this man. Then he prayed, Lord God of my master Abraham, make me successful today and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I am standing beside this spring. 
and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a young woman, please let down your jar that I may have a drink, and she says, drink, and I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Now, if you are to identify with anyone in this passage, I think you should be identifying with this servant. If you want a model of how to go about doing the work of the kingdom, then look no further than these verses. This nameless man, he doesn't rely on his own strength. He doesn't rely on his intuition or his ability to uh, find a woman. No. He relies completely on God answering prayer. But notice the way he prays. He doesn't say, Lord... Help me to choose the right person. He says, let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. Big difference. In fact, this way of going about our life choices permeates this entire passage. I actually think this is a great model for how we as a church and you as a person of God should be living out your life. It goes all the way back to verse 7. When Abraham sends his servant, Abraham says, God will send his angel before you so that you can get a wife for my son. It is God's work. It is God's choice. It is God's church. It is God's kingdom. He goes before us he went before Abraham's servant. He goes before us in our life. And we are to seek out the choices that he has made for us. See, we have a tendency today, I think, to see God as an extra bit of help along our life's journey. Rather than asking God to reveal his choices to us, we tend to ask him to help us to make our choices. We are servants of the Lord Most High. He is our master. We are doing his will and seeking to build his kingdom through his strength and through his guidance. Notice the servant here even calls Isaac God's servant in verse 14. It is throughout the entire passage and while God the Father is our loving Heavenly Father, and while God the Son is our brother who loves us, and while God the Holy Spirit is our comforter, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Lord, our God, is our master. And we should never forget that. We are to serve him, to seek his will, and to find what his choices are for the kingdom. If you are not praying for God to reveal his will to you so you can achieve his purposes in every aspect of the life he has given you, then you need to question whether you have surrendered everything over to him. Well, the servant asked God to give him a pretty specific sign and I probably wouldn't encourage you to 
to ask for very specific signs. Lord, if the pastor trips over, then let it know that well, I never have to go to church again. Uh, it's probably, you know, or maybe if the pastor doesn't trip over, then maybe that's my out clause. Um, but you can see how specific this is because of the great faith that this man has. If the girl offers to water his camels as well as give him water, then let her be the one God has chosen. Well, verse 15 tells us that before he had even finished praying. Now, I don't think he would have expected that, but how remarkable is God? Particularly when we are walking in faith, it is remarkable how God does answer our prayer. Well, Rebecca comes along with her jar on her shoulder. And the very first thing we are told about is her lineage. Now, you'll know that Abraham was very clear that, uh, that the servant needed to get a woman, that's an awful phrase, needed to find Isaac's wife from amongst, go get a woman. Um, <laughs> it's like club. We have been, <laughs> see, we've been prepared for this already. Um, back at the end of chapter 22, there's a bit of a sideline to the whole narrative and it brings in this, uh, this, uh, this narrative about Abraham's brother Nahor and, uh, and his wife Milcah and lists these wonderful names of sons that they've been given, Buzz and Uz. <laughs> Now, my son Obadiah is called Obadiah because I was preaching Obadiah at the time. I'm glad I wasn't preaching this passage. Buzz, Uz, Kesed, Haxo, Pildash, Jidlaf and Bethuel. Now, I dare anyone to call any of their kids those names. But we are told Rebecca is Bethuel's daughter. So before this whole narrative, we've been given the genealogy and now, the very first thing we're told when Rebecca comes along is that she is Bethuel's daughter, which I think makes her the great niece of Abraham. You might have to work that out yourself. Verse 16 tells us she was very beautiful and no man had ever slept with her. Two very important things, I'm sure, as, uh, as the servant was looking for Isaac's wife. Well, the servant goes to her with the with the test. Please give me a little water from your jar. Now I want you to notice her response and the little details we're told here. Drink, my Lord, verse 18, she said, and quickly lowered the jar to her hands and gave him a drink. That might not seem like much detail, but her, her, her desire to help this man quickly is right there. And after she had given him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too until they have had enough to drink. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough, ran back to the well to draw more water and drew enough for all his camels. Now, that was no mean feat. 
he had 10 camels and they'd been on weeks of journey and I reckon those camels were drinking a fair bit. And I reckon she was going back and forward without him even asking. He didn't request that. And I think that shows you a character of a servant, which is exactly the character which God needs when we're talking about a passage of servants. Servant Isaac, servant Abraham, this servant who knew what it was to be the best servant in Abraham, what character it took to be a servant, is here, we're told, without saying a word, watching her closely to learn whether or not the Lord had made his journey successful. You see, it wasn't just some random sign that he's gone, well, if she asks me to water the camels too, we'll do that. No. If someone offers to go beyond what they're even asked, then it shows a kind-heartedness, a care, a servant-heartedness that is so critical to the, to, to the, to the fulfilment of the promises of God and all that she was going to be brought into. I think it's a wonderful exposure of this wonderful character of this, of this girl. And with her lineage... Uh, and then, sorry, and then, uh, and then the servant uh, is obviously happy with all this. There was just one more thing that he needed to know because he hadn't been told yet who she was. We know, but she hadn't been told. And she, he simply says, um, who are you? Whose daughter are you? Please tell me. And of course, we know her answer. I am the daughter of Bethuel. Uh, the son that Milka bought to Nahor. And she added, we have plenty of straw and fodder as well as room for you to spend the night. I think this is a wonderful, uh, it's just a wonderful uh, story about how God provides these wonderful people for his wonderful purposes. But he has revealed at every step of the way. And at the heart of all this is this servant-heartedness of Rebecca the right woman uh, for, for the, the replacement, effectively, of the death of Sarah uh, for the promises to be fulfilled. Well, they are, from here, uh, Rebecca realises this man is from relatives, runs back to tell her mother's household about everything uh, that has just happened. Uh, but before that, I want you to see the response uh, of this servant. Not only does he pray for God to reveal this woman to him, but as soon as he does, the first thing that this servant does in verse 26 is bow down and worship God, saying, Praise be to the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not abandoned his kindness and faithfulness to my master. As for me, the Lord has led me on the journey to the house of my master's relatives, when you rely upon the Lord for your guidance, when you are seeking his will, when you are asking him for the revelation of what it is in your life that he wants, when that comes, it brings him the greatest glory and praise because you know that you have not done it in your own strength. And in here is a prelude to the entire gospel story. 
When we come to the Lord Jesus in faith, it is because God has chosen us out. It is because God has given us all that we need. It is because God has provided. And it is because, as Paul says in Romans, it is by faith that you have, it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves so that no one can boast. Your whole salvation story is one that should lead to praise because he has provided his son. And that flows on to every aspect of your life, every choice that you're making. Who do I marry? Do I get married? Who is it uh, that I should even work for or, or, or seek out to, to encourage everything about your life? How do I raise my children? How do I live in every aspect of my life? Lord, reveal what your purposes are to me. And then when you're able to fulfill that, you give him the great praise because he has enabled, he has provided, and he has achieved all that you know uh, you couldn't do yourself. Well, Rebecca uh, goes back, tells, recounts the whole story. She goes back and tells, leaves him there, runs back, tells her household, uh, and, and Laban, he, her brother, comes and, uh, and invites this man uh, back uh, and, and to, to, to come back and stay the night. Uh, and then the servant recounts everything, and thankfully that's half the chapter, so we're not going to do that again. Uh, and then in, in verse 50, uh, they respond after he's told them the whole story. Laban and Bethuel, so that's brother and, uh, and father of, of Rebekah, answered, this is from the Lord. We can say nothing to you one way or the other. Here is Rebekah, take her and go and let her become the wife of your master's son as the Lord has directed. Now I think the insight that gives us is Rebekah's upbringing. Not only has she... Uh, has she responded with great character? But you can see that once they hear that the Lord's hand has been in this, their first response is, what can we do? It is the Lord's will. Well, Abraham's servant heard what they said and once again he bowed down to the ground before the Lord. He brings out the gold and the bounty and and lavishes gifts on them. Uh, they ate and drank, spent the night there. They went up and got, got up the next morning. He goes and says, send me on my way, and anticipated right from the beginning. Oh, no, let her stay just 10 days. I think every parent, just, just 10 more days with my daughter. But he says, no, that was never part of the plan. I cannot do that. We need to go now. Um, and they say, well, let's go and ask her. And then Rebecca's response is simply, I will go in verse 58. I will go. Once again, she understands it's of the Lord. I'm sure it's not just all the camels. She understands it's from the Lord. But those, those words, I will go, 
They're reminiscent of Abraham when he was called out of Ur of the Chaldeans. He says, I will go. Very, very similar, very, very similar uh, 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 phrasing there. So they went. She meets Isaac on the way. He takes her into the tent uh, of his mother. They marry, and effectively, the succession plan has begun. Uh, Chances are, uh, by this time, Abraham being very old, Isaac had taken on some responsibilities. He now has his wife, and we're ready for the next chapter. Uh, We're ready for the next chapter in, 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 um, in, in, in the patriarchal uh, episodes.